0: Hello, my name is Audrey. I met a guy once and fell in love with him, but he betrayed me and leaked my intimate photos online. Everyone started laughing at me. And because of this fame, I was almost expelled from the university. After all, there are still many interesting stories on this channel. My first year at university was memorable because of my unfortunate love story. His name was Peter, and he was two years older than me. As you can imagine, dating a guy two years older than you and even a handsome nobleman was a direct path to fame. This was a priority for the first-year students. We didn't know much about the rules and regulations and life outside of school, and we had to learn. On my first day of school, I met Annie, a country girl with a big mind. We became friends immediately and went out together every day. I had boyfriends at school, but I hadn't really thought about a serious relationship until I met Peter. He won with his beauty and eloquence. I didn't think that he would pay any attention to me, because unlike him, I was a modest girl. One day after school, Annie and I decided to study in the library. We had to conduct a scientific experiment, which resulted in the winner being offered an internship in the cool company of Mr. Cole. By the way, it was a local businessman that owns a company that produces chemicals. On their basis, more often made fertilizer for the soil. As you can imagine, getting Mr. Cole to work was like winning a ticket to a brighter future. He selected the smartest. All courses of the faculty were allowed to participate, so my friend and I also signed up. In the library, we ran into Peter and his group. I was surprised. I didn't think he knew anything about chemistry. Peter kept looking in my direction, which was embarrassing, once he even smiled. Wow, the prettiest boy in the department likes you, Annie said. I denied it. It can't be. After all, he recently broke up with his girlfriend, and she at times uses more makeup than I do. We have different wardrobe, as well as the level of intelligence. In the latter, by the way, I lead. But in some ways, Annie was right. He was clearly paying attention to me. The gaze game lasted for a couple of weeks, and I was still shy of it and kept my head down on the floor as I passed. And once Annie got sick, and I didn't waste time and went to the library without her. I was busy collecting information and didn't notice how the street was getting dark. I quickly gathered my things and was about to leave when Pete came up to me. He was alone and asked where my friend was and what new things I had found in the textbooks for the experiment. To tell you the truth, I was taken aback when he came up to me and started talking to me. But communication was easy, and then Pete volunteered to walk me home. All the way, we chatted about me and him, about school and teachers. I was interested in getting to know him. The next day, when Pete met me in the hallway, he nodded. Anne was in shock, immediately pounced with questions about what she missed in one day. I strongly denied my attraction and Peter's interest because I still couldn't believe that he liked me. After school, he came up to me again and asked me to study with us in the library. I agreed and pretended to be ill and left, so we were alone. And this is how our regular communication began. Day after day, we spent more and more time together among the books. Then Pete told me that his friends refused to participate in this difficult project, and I invited him to join our team and didn't mind. From that moment on, we began to communicate even more closely. Unbeknownst to me, I began to realize that I could not spend a day without him. Feelings grew, but I only hoped it was mutual. On the same day, my hopes were answered. Pete invited me to dinner after class. I gladly agreed. I don't remember ever being so happy. He kissed me that night. I wanted to take off. Now the most popular boy is mine. In a couple of weeks, that contest was supposed to take place, and we tried our best to win it. Our top three by the end has become one of the leading. We didn't win, but we took third place, and Mr. Cole suggested that we finalize our project and present it to him in a separate order. Oh, there was no limit to happiness. Pete, Anne, and I celebrated our victory that day. Yes, we were proud of ourselves. In a fit of emotion, Pete and I spent the night together. In the morning, he took the phone and started taking pictures of me. I was shy, and he said that he wanted to remember this moment. It was more than nice. Then we fell asleep. I stared at Peter's face for a long time, studying every line of expression. I also wanted to remember everything every emotion he had, and keep it in my head. I never thought that such a moment would come in my boring life. But as they say, working together brings us closer. Suddenly, for a second, I imagined that soon we would appear in society together. He would introduce me to friends, and my heart began to beat. It was very exciting. I think I'm falling in love. In the morning, Pete walked me home, and I went to get some sleep. I didn't wake up until late in the afternoon. My phone was bursting with missed calls. It was Anne. As soon as I called her back, she screamed into the phone. Why aren't you answering? Where are you? Why are you silent? Immediately go to the messenger. She rattled. I connected to the internet and immediately received dozens of messages on my phone. I couldn't believe my eyes. My intimate photos were posted online. No, he couldn't do that. I said, barely moving my lips. Eyes filled with tears and hands trembled. I barely dialed his number. As soon as he answered, I was so hysterical that I couldn't even pronounce the words properly. And he just said that thanks to my naivete, he won the project and the argument with his friends. How could you? You betrayed me! But Pete said he would never have met me if it wasn't for an argument with friends. I dropped the phone from my hand. So in an instant, I was a laughing stock. The next day, the rector called me into his office. He, of course, was also aware of what was happening. Since I was already 18 years old, he did not call the police without my consent, but since I undermined the solid authority of the university, he wanted to expel me. I begged. I asked them to punish me differently, but not to exclude me. In general, if a project that was in the top three, Peter and I would have been kicked out long ago. And in this case, we were given a punishment in the form of cleaning the faculty offices. Since then, I've made a vow never to let them take pictures of me or send them to guys again. As children, we were taught that good always wins over evil, that we must fight for the right cause. What if sometimes it costs us too much? One day, I was stuck in an elevator, and I heard two men talking. I witnessed a crime, and it almost cost me my life. These two were trying to pull off a very mean business, and I was trying to fight with injustice. So our forces were unequal, and I lost. However, now I dream of taking revenge. My name is April, and I work as a journalist for one of the local newspapers in my province. I dreamed of my profession from an early age, having watched a lot of gorgeous films about journalists. This is not surprising. A journalist is a civilian. But at the same time, he has the right to be in many places without free. In addition, this job gives you great trips, meeting a lot of people, excitement, interest, and adrenaline. Today you are meeting with the president as a reporter, and tomorrow you will see the results of the autopsy at the morgue. My parents have always supported me. My mother once gave me a dictaphone. Ever since then, I imagined that I would become like Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane, a brave journalist. I was the editor-in-chief of a newspaper in high school and in college, too. And then I swung for a job at a major newspaper, The Times. After I sent them my resume, they invited me for an interview. I was really worried because my dream was about to come true. On Friday at 1800, I was expected on the ninth floor in the office. After carefully selecting my clothes, perfume, and hairstyle, I put the finishing touch. I grabbed the recorder and went. It was my good luck charm. Arriving at the place, a chic high-rise building opened up in front of me. A friendly doorman opened the door and my Louboutins touched the expensive tile. I exhaled and pressed the elevator button, went inside, and watched as I gradually approached the desired floor. Suddenly the elevator stopped and the lights went out. I almost lost my balance but managed to grab the door. Damn. Stuck on the 7th floor. So Don't panic, I thought. I took out my phone, but I didn't catch the connection. I switched on my flashlight and felt for the elevator button. The lights seemed to have gone out all over the building. Hey, can anyone hear me? I'm stuck in the elevator, shouted me. The voice felt a touch of confusion, but my mind was still taken up. Yes, of course, we will definitely deliver the product on time. And rest assured, Mr. Sanders, you will get your 10%. This is a profitable and not dusty business. As soon as we ship fake cancer drugs to third countries, they will be bought up in bundles for a low price. And cancer patients would still not be cured by any medications. We will assume that we sell them not effective treatment cheaper than many others. All you have to do is make connections with people we need, said a voice. Then the lights came on, the elevator started, and the doors opened. And I saw a man and the editor of the Times. Damn it, I thought, quickly hiding my voice recorder. These two stared at me for a moment, then shouted, Hold her! She has a voice recorder! They rushed in my direction, and I managed to push the button and close the door. I couldn't believe it. The editor-in-chief of a popular newspaper had colluded with some man and was going to participate in the sale of fake drugs for cancer patients. How does that mean? I arrived on the first floor and calmly got out of the elevator, though the Lubutans were already in my purse. Miss, I'm sorry, the guard shouted, and behind them ran the two men. At that moment, I ran out of the building, hailed the first taxi, and told them to hurry. I knew I couldn't go home, and it was also clear that they already knew my name and who I was. My voice recorder was a lifesaver, or rather, a recording of their conversation. I was more than shocked. That day, I had to get a motel room to stay the night. That night, I called my old friend Nick at the FBI, told him about the situation, and he promised to help. He immediately came to me and calmed me down. He said he wouldn't let anyone hurt me. We have long known that fake drugs for cancer patients are exported from the country in batches. This business has been thriving for a year. We also know that there are serious people behind this, but I would not have thought that this is a journalist and director of a network of hospices for cancer patients. That's a foul, said my friend Nick. My voice recorder was the most valuable piece of evidence of a large-scale crime. This is a journalist's dream. But the fear was still there. If it wasn't for Nick, I don't know how I would have handled it. Pizza delivery, someone said outside the door. I looked at Nick and asked if he ordered food. He just shook his head and shouted, Get down! At this moment, bullets were whistling in my room, and in a couple of minutes, the walls turned into a colander. Then the stream stopped, and two masked men burst in. Nick went into a fight. I knocked the last one out with a blow to the head with a table lamp. We ran out into the street, stole someone's motorcycle, and rushed to find a safe place. I realized that life would never be the same again. We were planning to turn the recording over to Nick's boss at the FBI center. That would solve the crime in no time. As I cut through the city's night streets with my hair in a disarray, I realized I'd left my shoes in that damn motel. It was decided to meet the chief tomorrow morning. But in the meantime, we spent the night at his friend's house. The next day when we arrived at the center, Nick and I went up to the right floor. He took a dictaphone and said he would be the one to talk to his superiors. I agreed willingly. We went into the office and Nick told us all the details, then handed over the recorder. His boss stood up and applauded me for my civic initiative. He wanted to come up to me and shake my hand. But he tripped over something. And damn it, if I were three times blind, I'd always know my Louboutins. I rushed to the door, but at that moment, Nick hit me on the head and I lost consciousness. This is called a conspiracy of big men. And in this, all the others are pawns. In general, about a year has passed since then. I was falsified the case and put in jail for allegedly fraud. And you know what? I still won't give up. Even though I'm behind bars, I'll be switching places with them soon enough. And the first thing I'll do is get out and work as a journalist.
1: I woke up to a loud pop. Frightened, I called out for my boyfriend.
0: Tom, Tom!
1: But Tom wasn't there. So I had to find out what had happened. I cautiously looked through the window. I saw my boyfriend coming down the drainpipe, pipe and some girl was loading bags into it. One of the bags burst and our family jewels scattered all over the pavement. You can't imagine how shocked I was. Tom, what's going on?" I yelled. The guy, meanwhile, jumped to the ground, walked over to the girl, and kissed her defiantly. Then he shouted, I used you to steal your family's money. The whole world came crashing down at the same moment. Tears rolled down my face. Stop. You probably don't know what's going on at all, do you? Let me start from the beginning. My name's Lissa. My parents own a huge factory, and we're rich. Very rich. How did I meet Tom, and why didn't I realize right away that he was pretending to steal our mansion? One day, I was walking through the mall with my friend Lily. We walked from store to store until we reached the most expensive boutique in town. The name spoke for itself. Luxury. Once inside, we immediately noticed the stunning shoes. Gold color, decorated with rhinestones. Unbelievable! The price was not significant, $200,000, but I fell in love with them at first sight. So without thinking twice, I took the shoes to the checkout counter. I was greeted there by a guy with the name Tom on his badge. Did you see the price? He asked in surprise. Yes, 200000 Here's the credit card. Tom almost dropped his jaw as he processed my purchase. He packed my shoes very carefully, and Lily and I headed for the exit. Suddenly, Tom called out to us in an uncertain voice. Excuse me, I'm gonna finish soon. Would you like to have some coffee? Lily and I looked at each other, and then, <laughs> without even turning around, we laughed out loud. We found the idea of going out for coffee with an ordinary salesman hilarious. My friend and I said goodbye in the parking lot. As I was driving down the highway, in my rearview mirror, I noticed a suspicious car that seemed to be following me. Even pulling into the grounds of my mansion, I saw the same car drive by slowly. Maybe it was just a coincidence, and he was on his way. I walked into the house, a huge mansion on the outskirts of town. Already in the bedroom, I unpacked my purchase. I twirled in the shoes in front of the mirror for a while. Very beautiful. I wish I could have gone to school in them and wowed everyone. Even though my family was one of the richest in town, I still had to go to an ordinary school with children from poor families. Unfortunately, there were no other schools in the area. Ugh! Oh, what a contingent it was. For example, the next day while I was walking down the hall, some nitwit shoved me, which caused the books I was carrying to scatter all over the floor. What a jerk. I gritted through my teeth. I agree. Someone handed me one of the books, I looked up and saw the cashier from the store. Tony? I asked in surprise. Tom, actually. Actually, I don't care. I'm new here. Can you show me around the school? I (laughs) laughed out loud without another word. Carried on with my business. At the end of the day, there was a nasty surprise waiting for me in the parking lot. One of my tires was flat. Oh, crap. Wow, that looks like a serious puncture. Tom whistled. It was like he'd appeared out of thin air. I was not in the mood and barked, Piss off! Okay, just wanted to help you with changing the tire. Wait! (sighs) I sighed heavily, the spares in the trunk. Tom jacked the car up and replaced the tire. He did it easily, like he'd been doing it since he was a kid. When he was done, the guy asked me, How about a cup of coffee now? Just for a little while? I only said yes because he helped me. Tom nodded and jumped in the car. We drove to a coffee shop nearby. At first, Tom struck me as very chatty, but I had to admit, his stories were very funny. One of them made me laugh so hard, I even got coffee coming out of my nose. After the cafe, I volunteered to give Tom a ride home, but he politely declined. I shook my hands, started the car, and drove off. I could forget about the meeting, but at dinner, I accidentally spilled grape juice on the white tablecloth, and in the red stain spreading across the table, I suddenly saw Tom's face. There were his cheekbones, his forehead, his funny ears. I admired the stain and sighed languidly. My mother's voice brought me back to reality. Maybe you can help me take off the tablecloth. Okay, Mom. I spent the rest of the evening cleaning the stain And thinking about Tom. This had never happened to me before. I think I'm in love. When I met Lily at school the next day, I told her everything. My friend frowned. That Tom came out of nowhere. Don't you think that's weird? You're right. I should have gotten some information about him. Lily was worried about me. She was my best friend, and she was the only one who could deal with my hot temper. And what was our surprise? When we met Tom again outside the school, In his hand, he held a glass of coffee. Here, your favorite, with almond syrup, I remembered. The guy winked. Oh, thanks, but Lily and I have to run. I grabbed a glass, and my friend and I quickly left. I needed a break to find out who this Tom really was. So at night, I planned to check all social media and find out more about him, but not until after the gym, which I did every Wednesday. I stayed a little longer than usual that day. So... I had to walk through the dark parking lot to get to my car. Just when I was opening the door, I heard a whistle. When I turned around, I saw the figure of a huge boogeyman emerge from the semi-darkness. He muttered, beautiful car, must be expensive. His stone gave me a good scare. I wanted to run away, but my legs stopped responding. I'll call the police, but it wasn't so easy to scare the man. He had already stretched out his arms to grab me. I squeezed my eyes shut with fear, but a few seconds passed and nothing happened. I cautiously opened my eyes and saw Tom. Next to the guy was the defeated boogeyman lying on the pavement. He was shaking his fist and screaming in pain. Come on, let's get out of here, shouted my savior. You, you saved me, I whispered. Tom put me in the passenger seat and he jumped behind the wheel. The car screeched out of the parking lot. I told Tom the address of my house. When we pulled up outside the mansion, the guy exclaimed, wow, this house is huge. While he admired the mansion, I admired him. It was great that he'd saved me and brought me home unharmed. Tom started to say something, but I didn't listen. I clung to my savior and kissed him. Tom hugged me and we kissed for a few more minutes. However, it was time to say goodbye. At home, I couldn't stop thinking about my Prince Charming and I fell asleep with a smile on my lips. So, did you find out who Tom really is? Lily asked me the next morning. Yes, he's my hero, my savior. My friend was confused when she heard me say that, but I didn't have time to go into details. I wanted to see Tom as soon as possible. So, I invited him over to my house for dinner. Come over tonight and I'll show you around the mansion. I'm sorry, but I'm not ready to meet your parents yet. He hesitated. Don't worry, they're gone for the weekend. Tom closed his locker, smiled and nodded. In the evening, I met him on the doorstep, and we had a real tour of my house. We visited almost every room, but for some reason, that study interested him the most. He was looking around with a keen eye. He was especially interested in my dad's safe. Tom kept looking at it, and then suddenly started asking strange questions. When did your mom and dad meet? When were you born? And your parents? I was glad that Tom wanted to know more about me and my family, so I gladly answered all of his questions. After the tour, I invited the boy over to the table. We ate and chatted happily, and then Tom poured me my favorite grape juice. I was extraordinarily lucky to meet you. here, to our meeting. And you. Buttons up. Wonderful toast, Tom. We clinked glasses, and I drank the juice. Suddenly, my phone rang. It was Lily. I had to leave the table, go up to my room and answer it. My friend was really hysterical. She was screaming. I checked it out. Tom the burglar. No way. I couldn't hear another word. My ears were ringing. My eyes were getting blurry, and my legs buckled. And I fell down. The last thing I remembered, was Tom's sly smile and the rest you already know. When I woke up, my head was literally pounding. Of course, the creep had put something in my glass. Tom had bagged everything he could find and now he was about to flee the scene of the crime with his girlfriend. I used you to steal your family's money. I felt so sorry for myself, but wanting to rip that bastard to shreds helped me pull myself together. Meanwhile, Tom and his girlfriend jumped in the car. I ran to my dad's office. The safe was open, and there were bills scattered around. So that's why Tom was asking all those questions. He wanted the password to the safe, and apparently, he had succeeded. I rushed downstairs to the main entrance. I opened the doors and saw Tom's car heading for the gate. Well, I'd have to give chase. I wouldn't want to give up everything that belonged to my family that easily but the tire of my car was flat again. It was in the same place it had been in the parking lot. Now I knew. Tom had a whole plan to lure me into his web. He slashed my tire outside the school, and that bouncer didn't just show up at the gym. Tom had sent him too. That bastard had to do everything he could to get me to like him. Well, he succeeded. He had me wrapped around his finger so easily, I ran out into the road in a panic. But all I had to do was to watch the crooks car leave the grounds of the mansion. Exhausted, I sat down on the pavement and wept bitterly. Suddenly, the sound of a police siren was heard somewhere nearby. This was my last chance to set things right. As I ran out the gate, I saw Tom and his girlfriend being detained by the police. Standing next to the police car was my Lily. My friend rushed toward me. Are you okay? I am now. Did you call the cops? Yes, right after the call. We hugged. I was so grateful to Lily for being there for me. You're lucky. The robber took a long time with the safe and didn't have time to get away, said the policeman who came up to us. Thank you, officer. I walked over to the patrol car. Tom was sitting in the backseat handcuffed. He looked at me with eyes full of hate. I smiled and waved. The police left, and Lily and I went back to my place to celebrate my rescue. By the way, that story had taught me something. After I'd almost lost everything, I realized that I was worthless on my own. So it's time for me to change. I'm learning to be kinder and better. And Lily's helping me do that. What life events made you change. It would be great if you could tell me your story in the comments. And don't forget to like this video and subscribe to the channel. Bye!
2: I was sitting on the couch watching TV. And out of the corner of my eye, I noticed something flashed a black shadow suddenly appeared and quickly disappeared somewhere in the back of the room i got up and decided to look around maybe it was my little brother eugene trying to scare me but the room was empty suddenly the shadow reappeared this time in the top corner of the room right near the ceiling it frightened me i didn't know what it could be the shadow flashed in front of me once again disappeared, then reappeared and headed right at me. I screamed loudly, jumped back, and fell on my back. The front door opened. It was my mother. What happened? She saw my frightened face. I looked around. There was no shadow. Nothing. I blurted out immediately. I just fell down. My mom looked Mm -hmm. at me suspiciously and then carried the groceries into the kitchen. Maybe I was just exhausted and was starting to see things that didn't make sense. Hi, my name is Karen, and lately I've been seeing some weird things that made me question my mental health. But first things first, I had surgery not too long ago, and not the easiest one. I was transplanted with someone else's eyes. I've had problems with my vision since childhood. I wore glasses, had to squint sometimes, but I managed somehow. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. They called me four-eyed, a dweeb, and so forth. I'm sure you all know these typical nicknames, but that I could put up with somehow. However, in high school, my eyesight began to deteriorate drastically. I switched from one pair of glasses to the next, and it helped for a while. Eventually, I couldn't see much. My mother and I went to the hospital. Doctors Hmm. examined me for a long time. They spun me around, stared at me, used different instruments. Then they sent me to another hospital, until the last and most prestigious clinic gave me a disappointing diagnosis. I could go blind. My mom and dad were pretty shaken up by it. I must admit, so was I. What can be done, doctor? Mom asked. Well, there's only one solution, surgery. We need to transplant a set of healthy eyes. I didn't even believe that something like that was possible. The very thought of seeing the world through someone else's eyes made me feel very uneasy. It was a difficult time in my life, but as it turned out, there was more to come. My parents finally agreed to the surgery, but it wasn't that easy. We had to wait a couple of months for a donor to come along, but then the donor's eyes arrived and I finally got the surgery. I was blindfolded for two weeks and couldn't see anything. I was scared because I had no idea if I would see again. The doctors didn't know that either. Finally, they took the bandage off. I saw the outline of my mother's face, and then I saw my father, and then the room we were in. I cried with joy. My parents cried too. It was an overwhelming feeling to be able to see again. Uh Everything was beautiful. I went back to school, read books. I had perfect eyesight. Never before had I seen everything so clearly. I felt like I had some kind of superpower, even though I was just like everybody else. But I wouldn't even be telling you about any of this if it wasn't for the side effects. I started seeing some strange things, sometimes even creepy things, that gave me the shivers. One time, I remember I woke up, went to the bathroom, turned on the water, washed my face. And then I looked up and almost fainted. What I saw in the mirror wasn't me, but a copy of me. She was smiling at me and waving. I rubbed my eyes and the other me was gone. I couldn't understand what just happened. Am I really losing my mind? I wanted to talk to my parents, but I just couldn't find the right words. What if they thought I was insane? I didn't want to end up in the hospital, so I decided to figure it out on my own. There was definitely something going on with me, and it had something to do with my eyes. I figured there had to be some scientific explanation for it. So I went to the doctor who performed the surgery. Mm -hmm. I asked him, is it possible the eyeball is damaged and that causes, how should I put this? I hesitated. What? The doctor asked, distortion, strange visions? The man Mm -hmm. frowned. Let's examine you, he said after a long pause. I was again seated (sighs) in that creepy chair. They attached some kind of machine to me and the doctor Mm -hmm. examined my eyes Mm -hmm. for about 10 minutes. Then he declared, There's nothing wrong. I don't see any damage. Okay, it's probably just fatigue. If there's anything wrong, come back again. We'll help you figure it out. I, unsure whether to be happy or sad, returned home. Things didn't Ah. make more sense to me. So I decided to trace things all the way back to the beginning to find out whose eyes I got. It wasn't easy at all. So I asked Michael to help me. Michael was a friend of mine. We took a sculpting class together for two years. We both hated it, so we soon became friends. At recess, I tried to explain to him what was happening and outline my crazy plan. It's not just some random specs. No, they have faces and they move. Creepy, like a horror movie. Wow, and I thought you were finally going to be able to live a normal life. I can see just fine, but not everything I see, I like. So what are you thinking? Sneak into the clinic at night, locate my file, and find out exactly who my donor was. I could tell by the look on Michael's face that he was fighting himself. I don't know, it's kind of dangerous. And how do we get through security? We could come during the day, hide somewhere, and then come out when the clinic closes. Only after about five minutes, (gasps) Michael said, Okay, let's go. I don't want you running around by yourself. The next day, we went to the hospital. We were walking down the halls, wondering where we could hide. I suggested, (gasps) why don't we find a back room Mm -hmm. where they keep all the cleaning supplies and mops? Okay, Michael agreed. After half an hour, we finally found a suitable back room. While no one was looking, we snuck in and hid in the closet. The closet was cramped, so we had to stand there with our arms around each other. It's a little awkward, Michael said. Yeah, I agreed. But then I added, shh, I think someone's coming. And indeed, a woman entered the room. She was folding something for about 10 minutes, and then she went out and we were alone again. What do those shadows look like? What do you see? Michael suddenly asked. Well, I don't know. They're long with red eyes. Sometimes you can see the mouth. It's hard to describe. Some kind of black clots. I wonder what it could be related to. That's what I want to find out. Maybe something happened to the person whose eyes I got, and now I'm seeing all this. We stood in the closet for four hours. My legs were stiff. It was also stuffy. Finally, at 10 o'clock, the hospital was empty. And we crawled out of the closet eagerly breathing in fresh air we stretched our stiff legs and arms having come to our senses we headed out on a search mission at night the clinic looked creepy everything was dark with only a few dim lights on what we needed was an archive where they kept all the patients records surely my file would have some record of my donor i already knew where it was so we headed over there without looking in every room Suddenly, something flashed in the distance. At first, I thought it was one of the staff. A guard, perhaps? I touched Michael's shoulder and said in a whisper, I think there's someone up ahead. I looked closer. It looked like a silhouette of a person. I can't see anything. Where? Said Michael. Over there. I pointed to where the silhouette was, but no one was there now. Where? I imagined it. Michael let out a sigh of relief and we continued on our way. The archive was on the second floor, we were on the third. After a bit of confusion, we finally found the right door. Is this it? Yes, I said. You just have to be quiet. The office was dark, so I switched on the flashlight on my phone. It was dangerous, but there was no other way. There were several shelves against the wall. It must be here, I said to Michael, and pointed to the metal boxes with the letters on them. Are they alphabetical? I think so. I need an R, Robinson. Hold the light and I'll look for it. I held the flashlight while Michael went through folder after folder. Did you find it? I asked, growing impatient. No, but... He stopped and then he called out loudly, there! Hush, they'll hear us! Suddenly there was a noise in the hallway. I turned off the flashlight and my friend and I hid under the table. The doorknob creaked and someone came inside. A flashlight beam flickered across the room. You must have imagined it. Hmm. Came the guard's voice. He shut the door. We waited until his footsteps faded, and I finally asked, did you find it? Yeah. Michael showed me the folder. It said Karen Robinson on it. I flipped through the paperwork and made sure it was what we were looking for. I wanted to figure out on the spot, but Mike said, come on, let's just take it with us. What? Yeah, and then we'll bring it back. Okay, I agreed. We'll read it outside. We left the office. Walk down the hallway towards the stairs so we can get to the first floor and sneak past the garden to the street. Suddenly, black shadows appeared at the end of the corridor. There were many of them, an entire squad. At first, they stood looking at me. I froze too and couldn't move.
0: Then the shadows lunged at me,
2: and I screamed. Michael didn't understand what was happening. What's going on? He asked. I began to explain that a bunch of black monsters came rushing at me. I ran for the stairs. Michael followed me. I ran as fast as I could. We made it to the first floor. A guard suddenly appeared in front of us. But he was so frightened by my scream, he jumped out of the way. We made our way to the street and ran for another 10 minutes. Michael kept up with me. I turned around to see if the shadows were still chasing me. But there were no shadows. I stopped and so did Michael. We caught our breath, and that's when the guy asked, were there shadows? Yeah, maybe they're not real, but I didn't want to check. We stood by the lantern and I opened the folder. I frantically read everything that was written about my surgery. When I got to the information about the donor, I immediately understood everything. They transplanted the eyes of a man who was being treated in a psychiatric hospital. He had schizophrenia and he was seeing terrible hallucinations. But I thought it had more to do with the brain than the eyes. Yeah, so did I, but who the hell knows? I have to show it to my parents. We went back home. Mom and Dad were worried (laughs) because I never came home from school. But I handed them the folder and pointed to the right document. I explained that I was seeing scary things and that it seemed to have something to do with my transplanted eyes. The next day, my parents made a scene at the clinic, complaining that they weren't informed who those eyes belonged to. They promised me a new Mm. surgery. Luckily, this time, I didn't have to wait so long. I got the transplant the very next week. I never saw those shadows again, but the darkness still scares me, and I don't like to be alone in a dark room. What would you do if you suddenly started seeing strange shadows? Write your answers in the comments, like the video, and share it with your friends.